The Houston Cougars are off to join the Big 12 this fall in the expanding conference landscape. Uh, TCU has tested those waters before. It's going to talk to Stephen Simcox today about how that went. You are locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs and also Locked On Horn Frogs. I almost just said frogs. Locked On Horn Frogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, we are your hosts. I'm Park Ranger. That's Steven. Steven, how you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be on. I'm I'm kind of sad for you because uh, so our buddy Jake Hatch has the Locked On Cougars name and that's sort of like I've, I've made this joke with him before, but Locked On Cougars sounds like a night out with Dana Holgerson. Like it would be perfect for <laughs> for the Houston show. But I like Locked On Cougs because it's sort of its own unique branding. So I'm I'm excited <laughs> to talk with you for the first time. Yeah, I will say a uh, a night out with Dana Holgerson make for a whole different, very differently rated podcast. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, all right, so. I want to talk a little bit about Houston, TCU, the Big 12. Uh, the Big 12 landscape does appear to be ever-changing. One of those big changes in the expansion of the conference and a 14-team Big 12 next year, uh, say that 10 times fast, is Houston is one of the teams coming in. Uh, TCU has quite literally done that before. Um, I, I keep wanting to say a decade ago, but it's actually closer to a dozen years ago now. Um, yeah. And that just, I guess, shows my own age. Steven, what do you remember about TCU joining the Big 12 Conference? Because they'd had some pretty substantial success before that. Um, when TCU joined the conference, what do you remember about that time period, that transition? Well, it was really exciting time. I mean, I'm stoked for uh, your audience to sort of go through this. I know Houston, similarly to TCU, there's a lot of those Texas ties, those regional ties, those rivalries that um, kind of get rekindled in a new way with, with the conference schedule. And yeah, that was the biggest thing I remember was the stadium had just been renovated. They were going into the big 12. It was obviously a really long journey for TCU to get back to power five relevancy. I mean, on the field and uh, not to be like a cautionary tale, but it was tougher than I feel like most people <laughs> would have expected. I, I remember getting some of the lectures from folks about, okay, it's, it's really hard to get the depth um, to a level where, you know, you're, you're ready to compete. And I was like, whatever, like TC's going to be fine. They dominated the Mountain West. They're a really good program. They've beaten Power 5 schools. But it was a tough transition. Now, some of that was Casey Paul Hall, their quarterback at the time. I mean, he seemed like a pretty established starter. He went through some personal issues with um, drug use and ended up being off the team. And then that really set the team back for – a couple of seasons, honestly, trying to replace him. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, they, they were competitive. They were tough. They played in a lot of close games in 2012. Uh, I believe their final record was seven and six. They, they did make a bowl game. Then in 2013 went four and eight. But then after that uh, two seasons where in 2014, they won a share of the big 12 title. You were kind of knocking on the door in the playoff and 2015 had um, a really good season as well. And, you know, now have kind of established themselves as one of the main members of the Big 12 Conference. So it's possible to, to make this jump and do it uh, at a really high level. I think Houston has some built-in advantages with that recruiting base, with the transfer portal now, um, that they can definitely try to hone in on and exploit. But 
yeah, it was uh, it was a tough transition, but it's exciting. And I mean, as I, I didn't really get to experience the Mountain West era. I know TCU had rivalries with like Utah and BYU um, and, and those kind of schools, but it's just so much more fun when it's teams that are around your area, you know, and like I work in an office with people from Oklahoma state and people that went to Texas and people that went to Baylor. And um, it, it just makes the the Saturdays so much more fun. So uh, it's, it's a good time to be a Houston Cougar fan, I would imagine. And I know you guys are excited about making this transition. We're very excited. One cautionary tale. I mean, you mentioned that the first year was kind of rough. Um, I think people are worried about, and Houston's a, a bigger university as far as the undergraduate attendance, I guess, but the fan base size between TCU and Houston are probably comparable. It's a relatively mm-hmm. small fan base. Uh, TCU is in the DFW Metroplex, and Houston obviously is in Houston. Um, and so those are big areas, like you mentioned, with lots of people from lots of different Big 12 schools. What have you noticed as a kind of like small fish in a big pond? I mean, you've had no problem eating in the pond. So like, what, what, what have you noticed being that? <laughs> I mean, the, the fan attendance is always a hot topic. I think TCU, like any other school in the country, if the program's not successful, then it's it's tough to get people to show up to games all the time. Um, and so that's noticeable. You know, it's noticeable on TV. It's obviously good fodder for rival fans on Twitter to take pictures of empty seats and put it out and be like, oh, it's 20 minutes before – a top 15 game and the, not everybody's, you know, in the stands TCU. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that people might not love me saying this, but uh, the fan base likes to tailgate. Some people don't always get in there in the first <laughs> quarter. Uh, some people might not even make it in the gate. It's just, it's, it's a, a, a fan base that enjoys um, that part of the experience as well. And, you know, with, with it being a smaller school, smaller fan base, I just feel like there's no, like if there's apathy, there's no way to make it up. So like if Texas, which is a is a national brand to a certain extent, um, if if they're struggling and not everybody's there, well maybe there's some other fans that will fill in those seats that uh, people left over at TCU. That's not necessarily the case, if that makes sense. And then the other thing that they honestly started um, trying to take care of this year that caused a lot of controversy is. Being in the Metroplex, as you said, Parker, there's a ton of people from a ton of different places. It really is like a a melting pot. And I know Houston is exactly like that. You know, you walk around and you can find alums from everywhere. And so one thing that TCU did last year, uh, there were select games where they did not sell single game tickets. They did not sell single game tickets um, to Texas Tech fans. And they will, Texas Tech fans will tell you about that. (laughs) Um, I, I believe they're not selling single game tickets to BYU games this year because there's a large contingent of BYU fans in the DFW area. And so you, I mean, it, it looks like it does look kind of weak on the surface, but at the same time, I understand why they're doing it because they're trying to protect themselves from, you know, an opposing fan base, just trying to overtake a stadium or even if it's like 55, 45 TCU, that's not exactly the home field advantage that you want to sign up for. So um, yeah, that's a weird, that's a weird aspect of being a smaller school in a bigger conference. And then I think there's just the, the, the national media coverage isn't always there, but, um, everybody kind of, I think every college fan base kind of has a victim complex about that. So that's not, that's not <laughs> unique to yeah, TCU. Um, but yeah, it is, 
it's it's difficult. And I don't know how Houston will approach all those things, um, especially like the fan attendance. That'll be curious to see. It might take a few years for them to get a sample size of, okay, which schools are trying to overrun our basketball stadium or football stadium when they play the Cougs. But yeah, that's, that's one thing that TCU did implement last season that uh, caused a lot of hoopla was not allowing some single game tickets. Like you had to buy either a small package or season tickets because they knew like it's, it's just hard to compete with some of the bigger state schools when um, games are in the area. All right. So this fall, September 16th, they've at least given us a seven o'clock kickoff to, you know, so we don't all melt in the sun. Um, But TCU Houston open big 12 play against one another frankly mm-hmm. early in the in the third week of the season right i mean yeah. most most schools are opening up the fourth week with their conference play um tcu had obviously tremendous 2022 and you can go check out if you're a kooks fan you want to go dial into that lockdown horn frogs covered the whole thing very well and thoroughly the whole time what do they look like in 2023 who's coming back who's on first what's going to be what are the tcu going to look like this fall yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely losing a lot of production. So Max Duggan is gone. Chandler Morris is stepping into that quarterback role. Um, and Chandler's, it's strange. Like, he's been on campus for so long. I feel like people talk really definitively about him, like we know who he is. But he's only played in two or three games. So we, I, I have confidence that he can do the job. And he did win the job last year. Like, he was the name the starting quarterback out of fall camp. He gets injured. Max comes in. You know, history is is what it is. He runs away with it from then on. But um, I, I feel like Chandler is definitely capable. Um, but you you have some mixing and matching with the skill positions too. Uh, new running back, um, new wide receivers. They did hit the transfer portal hard. Um, they went and got Trey Sanders, Alabama running back, who's kind of an, an interesting player because he's dealt with uh, a pretty extensive injury history when he was at Bama. Uh, but he seems like he's in pretty good health at the moment. And then guys like JoJo Earl, uh, John Paul from Alabama, slot receiver, John Paul Richardson, slot receiver from Oklahoma State. So I think they've tried to reload to a certain extent. Uh, replacing Quentin Johnson is going to be really tough. You know, they got some guys like Savion Williams on the outside who had experience last year, but he was not your number one outside wide receiver. And so he'll have to step in to that role. Um, they got a true freshman wide receiver in Cordell Russell that they're pretty excited about. On the defensive side, it's year two under defense coordinator Joe Gillespie, and they're actually are returning a lot on that side of the ball. Um, pretty much all their safeties are coming back. Uh, they lost their corners. Uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson was their Thorpe Award winner last season. But, uh, again, hit the portal hard. Went and got Avery Helm, the corner from Florida, who will step in and started a lot of games in the SEC. And I would say my biggest concern for the defense is probably the D-line. Uh, they lost Dylan Horton, who will be in uh, your neck of the woods now with the <laughs> Texans. He got picked up by them, and um, he's he's he, but he was their big sack guy last year. So they're going to have to find a way to replace that production. Um, and then I think on the other side of the trenches, you know, one one funny thing that happened. I didn't realize it until the national championship game last year, Parker. But their offensive line all five guys started every game. So they had 75 starts between those five guys, Hmm. um, which is pretty unheard of for a position with that level of physicality uh, to not have any sort of injury issues. And so they're replacing three of those O-linemen. So that's, that's all, you know, coming together. But I think maybe it's just the optimism of what happened last year. I feel like Sonny Dykes can figure this out. 
Um, but they also cut a lot of breaks last season. They won some close games. And so it'll be uh, kind of fascinating to see what their follow-up follow up act is like. But they, they definitely lost a lot of uh, re- returning players from last year. And, you know, on paper, I think they feel good about the guys that are replacing them, but they, ha- they have to actually do it on the field and we have to actually see it before, you know, we can totally say, oh, yeah, Chandler Morris is – um, a good Max Duggan substitute or Amani Bailey and Trey Sanders are great substitutes for Kendra Miller. Uh, but overall, I, they've kind of plugged some roster holes with the portal, and I think they feel good about some of the guys that have been with the program that are going to have a, a larger role this season. So, and I want to get I want to give you time to speak to your audience too. But I, what questions? Do, I mean, is is TCU at all concerned about Houston opening up the year? I mean, a, a year ago Houston was twelve and two, but last year we were just eight and five. Obviously, losing a starting quarterback like that change. Like, what does TCU think about a school like Houston coming in? I mean, when I think of Houston, I think of a lot of speed and a lot of athletes. And so, yes, I would say there's some concern there. And playing them in a night game in the opening, you know, Big Twelve, big extravaganza, uh, that will be tough. I feel like most TCU fans, when they look at the schedule, that's probably not the first one that they circle. Um, the back half of the schedule is really tough with like Texas and Kansas state and, uh, Baylor and some of those rivalry games, but yeah, playing Houston's going to be fun. I, I feel like from a, a staff perspective, you know, they're excited. They're already doing this, but to kind of have more of a foothold in that geographical area, right. In that Houston pipeline, Louisiana pipeline. Um, but Dana Holgerson's a good coach. I mean, he's done this before he's succeeded at the big 12 level and Houston is always known to be a school um that can bring in guys that can play i think one of the many reasons and you know this better than me but one of the many reasons this took so long was because uh coaches and athletic directors didn't want to give houston that recruiting advantage of having the ability to tell kids in the backyard like yeah you can play in a power five conference um and play against some of the best schools in the country and you don't have to leave you know you don't have to leave home like mom and grandma and everybody can come watch you play and so that's going to be a big advantage for them. But, um, yeah, I think there's concern about Houston. Man, I think this season it's not one of the first games TCU fans might think of as far as one that could trip them up. But there, there's definitely unique circumstances to it. And I might be overlooking how big of a deal that's going to be, just that Big 12 opening game at night on national television, big stage for them to make a statement against a TCU team that's in, in transition. What are, what other questions do TCU folks have about the U of H? Or, or again, like, is it the year one thing not really a concern at all? Man, I mean, you know, my my biggest question when I look at with with Houston is, um, I, and I don't know what his like, I I don't know what his career arc was and how fans felt about him. But what's this quarterback battle looking like? How do you kind of you know replace someone like Clayton Tune? who was, I mean, a, a multi-year starter there and someone who could at least consistently account for, hey, he's going to be solid, he's going to do what he can and not not beat you with mistakes. And Clayton's going to be missed. Um, I, I Clayton a lot as a kid. He was very, like, I think some people thought he was almost boring. He was so, like, you know, didn't want to say anything too controversial ever. Um, and he's a DFW kid, right? Fort Worth, DFW kid. Um, the the truth is, is that, you know, we didn't have a spring game because of weather and practice days and those whatever things. Um, so we're still kind of in flux as to who who is going to be. Dana and staff have been very much 
is still 50-50. The kids are uh, a kid named Lucas Coley, who came in in the uh, spring of 22, uh, came over from Arkansas. He's transferred, but never got on the field at Arkansas. Um, he's a 6'1". Uh, he played in San Antonio in high school. And then uh, the other kid is uh, Donovan Smith from, TC, uh, from uh, Texas Tech, who you might remember as TCU yeah. guys, right? Um, he kind of had some moments throughout his season last year where he's erratic with throwing the ball away, but he can run the football, and he runs over some people too. Um, he's a 6'5". He's a, he's a big, strong guy. Uh, and those are the two kids that are kind of running away with uh, – it's back and forth between them. Uh, as far as who gets to replace Clayton, I'd imagine even if it were Coley, there'd still be some sort of a goal line package for Donovan because he's just that kind of a runner. Um, but honestly, like at practice and anything media guys see, they very much split reps. We didn't have a, a spring game, so we didn't see them in any sort of competitive thing. The advantages I see is that Coley's been in the system with Dana for a year, and Donovan Smith's advantage is that he played the Big 12 for a year, you know, so he understands what yeah. the competition's like. So I, I, my, your guess is good as mine, but I'd imagine you see Donovan Smith in the field at some point, even if he's not the starter. Yeah, Donovan was always the dude that fascinated me. I remember when they beat Texas last year, like he played well. He did use his legs a lot. Um, but I was never like I've never been super sold on Tyler Shook. So I was sort of surprised when he ended up um moving on. But that was a good pickup by Dana. Uh, you know, the other thing about kind of moving around Parker is I remember Gary Patterson talking about this when TC made that move to the Big 12. Like the physicality on a week-in, week-out basis was the thing that he said he just had the biggest concern about. Um, how do you feel like Houston's set up, you know, in the trenches? Are they ready for this jump with the O-line and the D-line having that depth to kind of make, you know, make that uh, transition each and every week where you're playing big physical teams? I'm feeling better about the defense line, the offensive line. Houston's got some pass rushers and a couple like 290, 300 pound interior tackle guys. Um, you know, depth may be an issue down the line, but I think at least in the first, you know, first eight guys, so the first two on the rotation chart, I think you're feeling okay about on the defensive side. Offensively, um, they had a fairly successful. American Athletic Conference offensive line last year, and that's obviously a little bit different <laughs> than the Big 12 is going to be. Left tackle Patrick Paul may be a pro, so I don't mean to sell him short, but the question and, and then Jack Freeman is a is a returning uh you know started every game since his whatever year he's been around a long time. Um he's at center. The truth is is that while those are two really important spots, the other three are kind of question marks. Houston lost a kid to Missouri in the transfer portal off the offensive line. Um, and has brought in some guys that are kind of, you know, FIU products or a guy that was fr coming from Texas but never got on the field at Texas kind of guys. And so um, they've got they've got new faces along the line for sure. It's kind of the question mark. You know, I think the biggest thing, and, and you saw, as you mentioned, last year at TCU, the biggest thing is keeping those five guys healthy, right? Like, can you get a good five or even if you got a good seven and kind of keep them healthy and upright all year long? Because no one's got 10, right? <laughs> like, 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 so you've got to make sure the, the guys you got stay healthy. But Patrick Paul would be the offensive line name to remember. Jack Freeman being the center. He's a longtime starter. And I think they're both very good. It's the other three spots I got some questions about. So one thing I did a few weeks ago, Parker, that was really good for my views is I uh, I talked about Colorado and Deion Sanders. Have you done this yet? Have you poked the <laughs> Colorado Hornets nest? Yeah, because we're coming into the Big Twelve, and I'm like, they're if they come in, they're kind of kind of steal our thunder a little bit. <laughs> um, now, 
I will say, when we mentioned about guys Houston's lost in transfer portal, I think like everyone lost someone to Colorado. They stole our running back. And yeah, so that's, that's what I was gonna ask you. Like, was that <laughs> was that expected? And how like how are they accounting for that now? Um, that he's moving on. So expected in the sense that he anyone thought he was gonna transfer, it was a very big shock to the system. I mean, like Dana it looked like he, like Dana might've been about to cry like that. And I don't mean that to say like Dana, like a, is a, you know, a sorry or sad person, but just like, they were really close and um, it kind of took a shock to the system. But within 10 minutes of the announcement that he was going to transfer, the leaks were all Colorado. So that he got to Colorado, I think was not a surprise. It was just that he was going to transfer at all. Um, I frankly kind of hope that if they're going to join the big 12, they do it in the fall of 24, let's say as fast, as fast as possible. And then we get to play them. It'd be nice to get a little bit of a revenge game there. Um, I also think frankly, that if the Colorado joins the big 12 and Dion comes in, he's probably only there a couple years anyway. And then they're back to being Colorado and we're all good then. <laughs> right? Like that, that becomes a little bit easier schedule all of a sudden. So bring <laughs> that on in my opinion, you know, um, what does TC think about Colorado? Well, they open with them this year, which is a funny thing. Cause they had the home and home. So they huh. played them in, they played them in Boulder last season um, and won like one handily, even though it was a close game at halftime. But I, I did a video about how I thought like they played Colorado at home in week one. And I was just like, I think they're going to smoke Colorado. I just don't feel like that team's going to come together. Anyway, I've had Colorado people in my comments for like a month, which is fine. I mean, I <laughs> hi, if you followed me here, hello. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> driving up my view count but uh yeah i just knew that connection was there with uh with mccaskill going to to see you uh about the portal though and then we can get to win totals but one thing that tcu's found a lot of success with in the portal is okay you know dfw kid who like washed out at alabama or auburn or somewhere like that come on home you know we'll get you or not even washed out but just wasn't playing like come home We'll get you set up here. You know, we'll get you some playing time. You can be close to family again. Has that been beneficial for Houston? I know you you mentioned a couple guys that they've lost to the portal. Um, has the transfer portal been a good thing from them because of that talent that is so near uh, in, in that area and so many guys that kind of go off and then maybe getting them to come back? Yeah, I would say that on the whole, while losing uh, Cameron Johnson and Alton McCaskill were obviously like tough to see go, they, they definitely have brought in as much, if not more. Um, certainly on the defensive side, they brought in uh, a linebacker. They're transitioning to an edge rusher from Oklahoma. Uh, they've, they've brought in a defensive back from New Mexico. Um, they, uh, they, who is that? The, a kid from across town at Texas, I guess across the street at Texas Southern. Uh, HBCU here in, in Houston. I, I think what's interesting in looking at all, and then obviously the quarterback, Donovan Smith. Um, Donovan Smith, I guess, is had on the panhandle as well, though his dad's a coach, so they moved around a lot. Um, the real deal is, is that they're trying to bring in guys that are ready to play in the Big 12 right away, and so they're not all necessarily originally Houston-area kids. I guess like um, Adari Halsey certainly was. He's from Fort Ben Marshall. He's the defensive back that like led New Mexico in tackles or, or something, some crazy statistical kind of stuff while he's at New Mexico. Um, and I have to say, honestly, that like it was an interesting transition for sure to see Dana go that route. Dana has been more of a Juco kind of guy for the, however long it's been now. And then to see him go to more of a traditional 
transfer portal thing because the portal kind of opened up that window was really, really interesting and different. Um, I, I don't know what necessarily um, like sparked that change, but it certainly like was an interesting change to see. I think in the long term, though, Houston football could absolutely see uh, more of a, a, a kids coming back home, especially to demonstrate some success in Houston. I can't imagine that that would be a bad thing for any aspect of recruiting. But if Houston is successful in the Big 12, it certainly feels like it would be a very easy transition for a high school kid. Like, oh, I went to TCU or I went to Oklahoma or I went to Alabama and was kind of farther down the depth chart than I realized. I can go back to Houston and be in the Big 12 and get on the field very quickly, theoretically, and then compete for a starting spot or whatever. And so in the big picture, I could see Dana Holgerson doing something to that extent. But in the more immediate, small, like this fall kind of window, they've been doing a lot of things. They got uh, one of the more highly ranked recruiting classes that Dana's ever had, at the University of Houston really has ever had. They brought in 16 transfers. Uh, they've hit four or five JUCO kids up so far and are still looking to add more JUCO kids. It's a busy, busy time recruiting seen for Houston in kind of an untraditional way too. So it's been a very different kind of atmosphere on the uh, recruiting front for Houston. So anyway, and, and I guess as I bring you back in, Stephen, what, what I'm trying to say is that Houston's recruiting has been like kind of all over the place. They've done junior colleges, they've done transfers, they've done high school kids, they've done Houston kids, they've done central Texas kids. Um, they've done Louisiana kids, Florida kids, all of it. Um, a lot of different stuff. One thing that's interesting to me, Stephen, is that with all of this coming and, and the like t- track record that Dana Holgerson has in the Big 12 from his days at West Virginia, the win total on FanDuel, and I love our partners at FanDuel, it's nice to have them, but the the win total is four and a half. <laughs> and so um, I, I, I feel personally offended by that, but TCU coming off of a college football championship appearance, They've got y'all at seven and a half. What were your thoughts on TCU theoretically being just over, just under seven and a half games next year? I mean, I'm fine with it because over seven and a half is easy money. So, like, let's not let's not say it too loud. I got <laughs> I got four kids. I need more Dino Nuggets to feed them. Like, I'm gonna bet hard on the TCU over. Yeah, I thought it was sort of disrespectful. I mean, it feels like kind of a cop out. I think there had there's a lot of you just look on the surface and you're like, okay, there's a lot of transition here, a lot of turnover, seven wins, mark it down. And they probably got a, a, a lot of action because if you sort of look around, I know there are a number of people that think, yeah, seven and five is possible. I feel like if they end up seven and five, then there's a lot of disappointed TCU fans um, <laughs> around, you know, around the area, around the country. But the biggest thing to me is the, the non-conference schedule, like, you should beat SMU. You have an FCS opponent and then you get Colorado to open the season. I think that's three wins right there. Um, now the schedule gets harder at the end of the year. They play Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, K-State uh, to close the season. And that's going to be a tough run. Not, not exactly in that order. I'm not looking at it right now, but I know those are the four, but I, I really feel like Parker and no disrespect to Houston. I think, you know, those first seven or eight games, at least on paper, TCU will probably be favored in them. And so if you go six and two, seven and one, eight and oh, then you're already, I mean, you're already there. If you go eight and oh, seven and one, six and two, you're knocking on the door. I mean, I think, I think 
over seven and a half is a pretty solid bet. I wonder if there's any movement, you know, on that line at any point this this offseason. But yes, your Cougars. I mean, tell me about that. So four and a half. I mean, do they just do they just think they don't have any juice coming into a new conference, coming off an eight and five season? Man, I don't know. So in the first month of the season, and I, and I admit that you're probably right that, and, and we'll talk about the path to victory and locked on Cougs between now and six, September 16th. I think there is one for Houston, but I would imagine TCU is the betting favorite in that game. That's a fair thing. Their three non-conference games are UTSA, a good program, but still not a Big 12 program for sure, mm-hmm. at Rice, which is an away game but in town, and then at home versus Sam Houston State. Like, theoretically those ought to be three wins, right? Like that, that you get, I guess UTSA is a growing program, but you get them at home to open the year. Um, I, I just look at this team and think you're telling me that they, the betting is like, are you going to win more than one conference game? Meanwhile, admittedly, we open with you guys and you're coming off college football championship appearance or what, what have you. Um, meanwhile, Houston's slate in the conference is pretty favorable. I think for a first year, Big 12 team. We had to play Cincinnati and Central Florida. Um, I guess Central Florida is in Orlando, but those are both teams kind of in the same realm as Houston as far as America Athletic Conference teams coming into the conference. We get Oklahoma State at home. I think of them as a fairly weak program. I, I guess maybe I can be proven wrong on that, but I'm like, I think that's one they could go get right now. And then last year, they played Texas Tech into overtime, and uh, and that's a game I guess we've got to go on the road to Lubbock, and that's not easy to play in. But like, Houston played them very, very well just last season. And that's not mentioning like West Virginia comes to Houston on a Thursday night, um, a short week for them. And, uh, you know, and it's off of Houston's bye week. So they actually kind of have a long week for Houston. Like, I think this is very favorable for Houston. And I can't believe we're sitting at four and a half. Um, I, I'm like you. I'm not going to go tell the folks at FanDuel to change it. I'm just going to put my money where my mouth is and call it good. <laughs> um, yeah. I do wonder too, though, like how much, cause you talked about the schedule and I'm curious, like how much that played into the wonky win totals this year, because it is, it's, it's such a difference. Like they didn't end up doing the divisions and Oklahoma state's a fascinating program. Cause I agree with you, Parker. I think this is one of the worst Mike Gundy teams in a long time from a talent perspective, but they also, they don't play anybody in the state of Texas except for Houston. Like they get all the newcomers this year, like, their schedule looks pretty manageable, and I have no idea what happened with Oklahoma. I don't know if Brett Yormark was, like, scheduling basketball games in Mexico City the week they did the schedule or something, but, like, <laughs> they gave Oklahoma just a parting gift. They were like, here, Brett Venables, you had a mediocre season. Let's just give you a little boost on the way out. We'll give you eight or nine wins. Like, the Sooners' schedule is a cakewalk, too, and I'm, I'm thinking, why, one, why did you not do divisions and put Oklahoma and Texas on the same side of the bracket to ensure that we didn't get the nightmare scenario of like an SEC title game in the Big 12 championship game in their final year. But secondly, why are you like propping up OU and their final season in the conference? I don't understand it, but I think you're right about Houston. I'm going to put money on over four and a half too. I'm glad you told me that because that can just add to my collection on FanDuel. Well, exactly. Cause it's like, if you beat central Florida and, I guess Cincinnati is good, but that's two American athletic conference teams that they would have played last. I mean, if they were in the same division, but in the Mm -hmm. same conference season than any given season, uh, then you factor in like, like say Oklahoma state's kind of having a down couple. I thought they were pretty down last year too. I guess they beat Texas in a, in a weird comeback. Right. Um, 
just just a lot a lot of games on the line here for Houston that I just I think they can win. Um, you mentioned you think TCU is going over as well, but you also alluded to it, is Oklahoma Oklahoma's got the most favorable schedule here. What can we do to make sure that Oklahoma doesn't play Texas in the Big 12 title game? How can we? Obviously, I'd like to see that it'd be Oklahoma versus Houston because that'd be the only time Houston and Oklahoma get to play in conference. Um, but what do we have to get done? What strings do we have to pull here? How can we make sure that doesn't happen? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope the Frogs do their part. They play OU and Norman like in the last regular season game of the year. And so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that that game means something and maybe they can knock them out of the Big 12 title race. But, yeah, I really don't like the petty energy that Big 12 fans have been giving now for two years. It didn't make it to the league office. And I'm a very I'm very sad about that. Maybe those are more mature, bigger people up there with, like, personal growth. But I don't want any of that to happen. I just want Texas and OU out of the Big 12 title game. And I'm not sure why I'm pointing. This has suddenly turned into, like, first take. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to stop doing that. But I just don't want to see OU in Texas – in the in the uh conference title game that's 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 my big uh you know mission for brett your marketing company um so we'll be following and frankly tcu being the opening big 12 game we'll be following very closely houston and tcu all the way up steven where can people find you the show your work etc yeah so we're on youtube just like uh you are parker it's locked on horn frogs it's a channel also wherever it is you get your podcast in it's audio form um, and then on Twitter, our show is at Lockdown TCU. I, I tweet the show from that account. I'm not always great about like live tweeting events and stuff from there. So if you, it's probably better to follow my personal account, which is at Simcox Steven. Um, and yeah, you can find me there. Where can my, my horn frog fans that are tuning in? Where can they find you? <laughs> well, especially as we're kicking off a big 12 season together, I guess, uh, they may actually tune in. So that's worth pointing out. Um, Locked on Cougs, the show. Uh, Cougs is C-O-O-G-S. I've especially, especially pointed that out because, as you mentioned, we do have a Cougars, which is spelled actually mm-hmm. like it's supposed to be spelled, but Cougs is how we spell it. Uh, so C-O-O-G-S on YouTube and all your pod- podcast things. I tweet all the stuff, though, from my personal account, just at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. Um, and it's all things Cougars, but it's also rockets and astros and texans and nba playoffs and all, all those kinds of things so follow me at paintsworth 512 uh steven it's been fun going back and forth today i hope it stays collegial as we lead up to september 16th um it's gonna be a fun matchup and i'm excited to be in a conference where i get to play these fun matchups so thank you for having us in the conference i guess yeah, man, looking forward to playing you guys in football and uh, that basketball program, something else. So I wouldn't say I'm excited for Jamie Dixon's squad to play <laughs> Kelvin Sanson and company, but it will be nice to have another really good basketball program as part of the Big Hill Conference. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Take care, man. Now, I always sign up as saying, go Cougs. I don't know. What did you say? Go Frog? Do you have, yeah. yeah. Do y'all have a hand sign? Everybody in the city of Texas has a hand sign. We do. We go, go Cougs like that. Okay, like that looks Cougar like a Park. gang sign. I don't know about that. <laughs> that's, that's Frog. Those are the Frogs there. Go Cougs. <laughs>